sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thursday, September 24th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, a coming to spit and statistician, stable genius, and vocal minority. And I got my man Kevin Walsh burning the candle at both edges, trying to give you everything you need to make it a profitable day. And we're going to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. Kevin, we had game four of the Eastern Conference Finals last night. And, you know, it was a little bit different of a flow. Right. In the first three games, you know, the the Celtics got out to big leads and either Miami was able to kind of walk them down or not as what happened in game three. But this one played out a little bit differently. It was Miami that kind of had the working margin throughout the game. You know, in the first half, Jason Tatum did not score a point. The Celtics, you know, kind of closed the gap in the third quarter. It was tight in the fourth, but ultimately the Miami Heat win this game 112 to 109 and they take a commanding 3-1 series lead although you know if you have the Denver Nuggets it might be right where you want them (laughs) yeah I don't know if uh, Boston is dead I don't know (laughs) more importantly I don't know if Miami is the Clippers which again who would have thought would have been an overwhelming or Utah but yeah (laughs) absolutely negative I mean, you know, if you want to talk about the biggest takeaway out of this game, I don't really think there's a point in trying to get cute with it. It is Tyler Hero. Yeah, buddy. 37-6-3 and on 14 of 21, 5 of 10 from deep in 36 minutes. I mean, he was ridiculous, and it was constant. I mean, he came in and through three quarters, was fantastic, had 20 points, and then he's like, yeah, what if I go for 17 in the fourth? I'd like to see that. And he did. I mean, it's exactly what he did. He was hitting clinching free throws. He was hitting big threes in all NBA defense caliber players' mouths. I mean, he was doing it all. And that was the thing for the Heat is when they needed a bucket, right? Something that earlier in this series felt like Mm -hmm. when that moment came for the Celtics, they weren't able to find. I think back to that Lakers-Nuggets game. Um, we saw the other night where the Lakers couldn't cross that threshold with a bucket. The the Heat offensively didn't get stuck, and a lot of that had to do with Tyler Hero's production. Yeah, I I completely agree with you, Kev. You know I'm a fan of Tyler Hero. You know I'm a fan of a lot of pieces of Tyler Hero's life. But that's another story for another day. Let me ask you this, though, Kev. You know, for a lot of these playoff teams, okay, we have had a similar question You know, like we've been asking, who's going to be that other guy? Who's going to Mm -hmm. be the main member of the supporting cast, whether it's like a big two or a big three? We've always been looking for that Robin, right? With Milwaukee, it was like, would Middleton do this? You know, would Brooke Lopez fill that role? With the Toronto Raptors, it was like, who is that guy to close and depend on, right? In, in, In the Western Conference, you know, we've been saying this as well. Who will be the third for the Lakers to support LeBron and AD? We've had similar questions about the Denver Nuggets, you know, we've 
talked about the number of closers that the Celtics may have or the value of having Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. For Miami, it's always been Jimmy Butler. Is this closer? Mm -hmm. Is this guy that you can go to to get a bucket, right? And I believe that still. Dude is, you know, a dog, an alpha. Absolutely. As we welcome in our radio audience from around the country here onto Sports Grid, Dave Martinez and Kevin Walsh here on the early line. Kev, I got to ask you, though, on Miami, right? It, it, like, is it Goran Dragic? You know what I mean? Like, is it these... Is it these young kids that are shooting Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero? Is it Bam Adebayo like, or do they not need it? Because at one point we didn't think the Raptors needed it, but at some point we realized they did. They have Jimmy Butler. Do you think Tyler Hero is ascending to be like the Robin? Or is this Goran Dragic? How is that like? Who do you trust with Miami that's not Jimmy Butler in these tight spots? You know, it's funny. I think one of the things that we learned this postseason that. The way that the big three Miami Heat were constructed, right? It was LeBron, right. Wade, Bosch, right? And the Boston Golden Celtics State. before that. Yeah, no, right, 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 right. Like these big threes, right? The big it, three, yep. A, a lot of times got to the postseason and we've said, all right, who's your big three? And I think we're learning yep. that it doesn't have to be a definitive third. In an ideal world, mm. you have your two stars that you can trust. And Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo were all stars this year. And okay. you just turn and you say, who's going to step up for us? And Goran Dragic, and it might be Tyler Hero. You might have the Duncan right. Robinson game. Jay Crowder's had his moments for this team. Right. And that's the thing that we've seen kind of throughout these plus. And that doesn't just fit the description of the Miami Heat. I might argue to you. That's the Lakers, too. That's something that can fit the description the of, a, of the four teams that are still left in this playoffs. Right. 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 Where Tatum Kemba, but Jalen Brown steps up, or Marcus Smart steps yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. It's, the, it's the ability to turn to multiple people right. alongside a baseline of production from your star players. And that's why right now is this lead sits here at 3-1 for the Miami Heat. And we can talk, you know, about the Bam Adebayo injury. Is he okay? Is he not with the rest? But I, this is not the type of team that you want to be down 3-1 to because they are so mentally tough. They are they are mm -hmm. legitimately deep. They have a number of guys that can do it. And I mean, listen, it's gonna be really hard to beat this team any given night. They've only lost twice the whole postseason. Yeah, you now have to beat them three times in a row. That's a mountain if I've ever seen one. Yeah, no, I hear you, and maybe it is evolving, right, to the big two plus, you know, with the other guy that can step up. Because we've said the same thing, right? AD and LeBron. And then, like, sometimes Rondo, sometimes Kuzma, sometimes KCP, you know, and same with Denver. And we'll talk about that series. And like you mentioned, Bam Adebayo when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on sports grid. Dane and Kevin on a Thursday morning. And, you know, I think you make a good point, Kev, about like maybe the big three being something of a misnomer in team construction these days, right? Because I asked you, I remember in the Western Conference, right? It's LeBron and AD and then a cast of characters with the Denver Nuggets. You know, Jokic and Murray and a cast of characters. We saw, you know, uh, everything from Harris having a good game one day, Porter being, you know, Morris it being one day. And that's the way they put it together. We see Rondo or Kuzma, you know, different guys being that third role. So it is kind of possible. But let me ask you this, because one of the two who you cited as the Miami Heat's two all-stars, mm -hmm. Butler and Bam, uh, he got banged up a little bit out of bio with a wrist. What do we know about this? Not much. Well, we know that Bam Adebayo said he's good. He said he's going to be able to throw okay. some ice on it, and, and he should be good to go based on that. We've not gotten any concrete information, but, you know, Dane, these days you, you kind of roll through Twitter and you try and get the reaction to see what some people think. And, there, I mean, there were some suggesting, yeah, I'm not sure we see Bam Adebayo. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to tell the extent of the injury. Um, you can't overstate his importance for this team. Went over his points sure. prop, over his rebounds prop, was excellent in 41 minutes of work. You know, I hope we don't have to ask the question, Right? can the Miami Heat win this series without Bam Adebayo? Um, I don't know the answer to that question. I might lean yes. I hope we, again, I hope we don't have to answer it. Sure. But, um, it is certainly something that will loom until we get official word on his wrist. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you want all these teams to be at full strength as we crown a champion. Absolutely. You mentioned his points. You mentioned his rebounding. I remember a block he had early in this series, which yeah. seemed to be very important as well. Real quick, though, put yourself in the mind of Brad Stevens. Kev, because honestly, we mentioned the we mentioned the Bam Adebayo block in one game, right? These games have been close. Miami's up three one. They may move on, but you know, like Boston has been in these games. So, what do you see as the adjustment? Where do you go if you are Brad Stevens and the Celtics? Yeah, you, you know, to be fair, Brad Stevens doesn't seem to be pushing the right buttons right now. The pick-and-roll coverages don't seem to be uh, excellent. The rotations of Grant Williams, who's had good minutes for this team, only getting one, versus Semi Ojale, who's been terrible. Kemba Walker has been attacked to the point where, you know, it's not a mistake that he only played 34 minutes compared to, you know, the other big-time starters. He got, you know, out-minutes by Marcus Smart, who fouled out of the game. John Brown played 40 minutes and had five fouls. Like, that wasn't a mistake. Kemba started to get targeted. So Stevens right now is being outcoached by Eric Spolstra. I'm not sure if there's shame in that for Brad Stevens, but right. one of the overarching questions I think about the Celtics and, and Brad Stevens is kind of where does he fit in the pecking order of elite coaches in this league? And mm -hmm. there's been a lot of people who have pushed him into the highest level in right, this right. league. And there's been Popovich others territory. who have tried to, you know, put still a ceiling on that until certain things are accomplished. And I think hmm. that um, that is fair. I don't think you can lose sight of the fact that they were favorites in this series. The total score, I believe, Dane, is tied through four games. 
441 to 441. Wow. But one of these teams is up 3-1. That's so right. So you can't really hang your hat on, hey, it was tight. You got to win a tight game, pal. You got to be able to. No, absolutely. Now, absolutely. Jason Tatum being scoreless through half, not good enough. But, Dane, what was the first thing that we talked about in game number one? Kemba Walker versus Goran Dragic. And what do you know? Again, Kemba Walker, at best, he could argue, played to a stalemate of Goran Dragic. I mean, Dragic dropped 22 in 39 minutes of work, was 8 of 21 from the field, chipped in five boards, three assists, and was a plus 11. And Kemba Walker, in 34 minutes of work, had 20 points, four boards, five assists, six of 14 from the field, and was a minus 10. The Celtics are not going to win games with Kemba Walker, who was supposed to, when he initially showed up, be their best player, now is supposed to be their second best player, I would think. He can't be getting outplayed by Goran Dragic, and that seems to be the case right now. And as we continue to, you know, look at this series, the one thing um, I will note before we, you know, move on, Dane, is the three-point shooting from this game. If you just look at the fact that the Heat were able to win and score 112 while shooting 27% from three and having two of their top three-point shooters in the postseason, Duncan Robinson and Jay Crowder, combine one for 11 it's a scary sight for the Boston Celtics. It is, but we do have another NBA game to discuss because the Western Conference Finals get going again tonight. So talk to me about the Lakers and the Nuggets. You have been tuned into this series, obviously. I want to ask you to start on this. What... Um, what kind of game do you expect from LeBron? Because at some games in this series, you've been all over his assists prop, thinking that mm -hmm. as a leader of his team, he's getting people else involved, and he has done that. You know, at times, I believe he's had 11 and 12 assists in this series. There have been other games where you're like, nah, I think we have a big LeBron game. He might go for 30 in this one with the Lakers up to one. But, you know, maybe more than ever before in these playoffs, feeling like a, 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 a kind of pivot game. Right, because if mm -hmm. Denver wins this game, you know, I know you love the Lakers and all, but if Denver wins this game, we got a series, you know, and then like Denver has a real claim here. So in what I believe could be the most highest leverage game for the Lakers so far in the bubble, what do you expect out of LeBron? Yeah, I, I mean, no matter how much I love this team, a series that's 2-2 is obviously a series, right? Yeah, there, no, this no is denying. the most critical game for the Lakers and in the bubble. The Lakers haven't played a series to 2-2 yet. Now, there's been opportunities in each and right. every one of the other two right. series for the team to make it 2-2, yep. and the well, Lakers have pushed forward. The interesting thing here is will Vogel throw LeBron and AD out there for about 40 minutes of work? Now, maybe it won't be necessary, depending, but let's just call it the first 33 minutes of the first 36 of this game, meaning 33 in the first three quarters. Because if so, that's where I think the Lakers are going to be really tough to handle for the Nuggets. And LeBron is, you know, again, for people who follow him very closely, you get the feel for this. Others might feel like it sounds ridiculous, but not that he's not trying, not that he's not putting his best foot forward. It's outrageous. It's the Western Conference Finals. But you can see... 
the moment he is switching his approach. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's as simple as where he calls for the basketball. And at times it's that top of the key area yep. and a little bit of a post situation. And other times it's that baseline kind of mid, you know, between the elbow and the baseline spot where he wants it in the post. And when he goes to kind of that baseline area, it means for the most part he's going to look to attack. And I think the 30 points that he had in this game, if you keep in mind that I believe 13 of them came in the fourth quarter, and the fourth quarter was the best they looked in this game, I expect him to attack. With that being said, I'm not sure I want to leave the assist prop, although it is now up from 8.5 at a round even money to 9.5 at a round even Hmm. money. So we didn't get the P.J. Tucker flip of same number, different juice. Tacked on a full of assist. Yeah, they took it up much the, the full same number. juice. I think LeBron having 11 assists, nine in the first half, by the way, in a game where the Lakers only scored 106 and shot 23% from the field, I think I might still want to pull the assist number into the props for me and play over points plus assists the same way that we did in the last game. But if I could only play one of those markets, I'd lean on points in the biggest games. LeBron steps up. This is the yeah. biggest game that he has played since the 2017 NBA Finals game number one. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting. And we talk about like that, the others, right? The number three. The question for me is how much trust will LeBron continue to have in some of these other guys if it gets tight? And the tendency is to, like you say, flip that switch on some level. He may still have to trust Kuzma and others. We'll talk about it a little bit more when we come back, but we got the news update right now to catch you up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line on SportsGrid, including our radio audience from around the country, out west, the mightier 1090. Thanks for waking up very early with us on the early line, Dan and Kev. Kev, I want to ask you, you know, we talked about kind of the Lakers, how they may try to do it, specifically how LeBron may try to puppeteer it all, right? And great players do that. You know, they flip the switch, you know, when they need to put it on their shoulders versus get everybody involved. We have seen that from great players around, you know, throughout history okay but let me ask you a little bit about this denver side at its simplest form kev i if i'm coaching if i'm alone i'm just telling hey murray you're playing 48 today it seems like the plus minus works out for denver when he's on the court what are they going to do uh tonight yeah i think that this team will you know continue to play their two stars as much as possible um i think it's fair to say that they're going to probably need a little bit more of the scoring department from both. But I don't know if I want to rely on Jeremiah Krantz 26. Right. It'd be interesting to see kind of who's going to continue to step up. Now, Grant's points props, 10 and a half. So, unless, you know, if you buy that this is, you know, he started to kind of find a groove and he's going to be a part of the offense, we're talking about a number that's 10 and a half. He's off, off scoring 26 in this last game. But I actually want to use Grant to make a point about something that I almost forgot to bring up. 
Brad Turner, who covers the Lakers for the LA Times, reported that the league reached out to the kind of people who you need to reach out to to voice their complaints about LeBron James' lack of free throws, which is something Hmm. that I know people on the surface will be like, yeah, this guy gets all the calls, which has never been the case, like ever. That's just not true. Like for a guy as big as him who attacks as often as him, he does not shoot as many free throws as you would think. And on the heels of a game in which megastar Jeremiah Grant went 10 of megastar line, LeBron went one of two, and those two free throws came in a flagrant foul that had nothing to do with attacking the basket. It was away from the play. So just to kind of go back to your initial question of LeBron's points props, if they've made that complaint, well, they're going to look to cash in on it. So expect LeBron then to be in attack mode and force Mm. them to cash in. Make some calls. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you know, put the onus on the refs also, right? He keeps on going to the hole. We'll yeah. see if he gets hacked a little bit. No, I think that's interesting. And maybe Grant, you know, takes on the Tyler Hero role, right? But almost like Miami. You know what I mean? Like, I can see it Drogic one day. I could see it Hero one day. I can see it Robinson one day. For Denver, listen, it could be Grant. It could be Porter. It could be Millsap. We'll see who plays that third role. I don't know that I would cast my lot with any one of them because I kind of do believe that third guy can be a different one every day, similar to what we're seeing in Miami. Well, game four, and like you said, the highest leverage game for LeBron in about – I don't know, two or three years will happen tonight. So we will definitely be talking about it as it stands. The Lakers are six point favorites in this one with a total at 214 and a half. Last night's game went over the total, um, even though we were talking about how, you know, things continue to tighten up as we get further and further along in the playoffs. Kev, I want to turn our attention to Major League Baseball because, you know, We got four days left, Kev. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We've got four days left. A number of teams are playing more than four games still, and those games matter. You know how we've been looking at a certain, you know, certain spots in the standings now with kind of like half a week left and only a series left for most teams. There are still some leverage points in the playoffs, right? And I think Earlier in the week, we kind of zoned in on three of them, Kev, right? There was the American uh, American League Central crown. There was the National League East as it related to that second place line with the Marlins and the Phillies. And then you throw the Marlins and the Phillies in with, you know, three teams from the NL Central, the San Francisco Giants out West, and you have a crazy sprint to the final, you know, wild card spots in the National League as well. Let's start, though, Kev, in the American League Central. Kev, remember when we were looking at these division odds and you were like, oh, these are so tight. They could flip-flop. The Indians are like 75 to 1, but somehow they are still live. Well, Kev, we're getting the chaos. We're getting the chaos that makes this more complicated because, you know, as we look on here, the, 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 the Chicago White Sox keep losing. They have now Mm -hmm. lost four in a row. The Minnesota Twins and the Cleveland Indians keep winning. We have a flip-flop. The Minnesota Twins are now in first place in the Central. The White Sox are second now. And here's the thing. The last series of the season, check this out. The Chicago White Sox, who are, you know, struggling to the finish, are now playing this weekend 
the Cleveland Indians, Kev. And so the hot Indians, can they even get up, hop maybe the White Sox, get to that second place line where they may see a team like the New York Yankees completely changing this. But with only a series left to play, the American League Central is still tight. The Cleveland Indians are in third place at two and a half back. But they play another one of these teams and can still make some hay. How do you think this shakes out? Because they're going to be playing each other. Then to note, Kev, Cleveland then finishes off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not that Mm -hmm. tough, right? The White Sox, they play the Chicago Cubs in a battle of Chicago. And the Cubs probably have some seating on the line as well. The Minnesota Twins, they are off today. Ironically, like, oh, wow, still an off day for teams. And they finish with another team that has to win their games. They finish with the Cincinnati Reds. How do you see the AL Central playing out? Specifically, this game today, Cleveland is live. Yeah, what stands out with this Central is kind of the state of the Astros as well as the Blue Jays means that one of these teams slots into this 5-4 game pretty much undeniably, as, you know, if you look at Cleveland, they're full four games better than the Astros. So unless a real collapse kind of like there's, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. the one of these teams is going on the 5-4 line. You take a look right now, Cleveland, or I should say the White Sox, um, are kind of a game up on the Yankees, but or two games up. Like it's all a little bit weird right now. Sure, sure, sure. Mismatched, yeah. One of these teams is going to be able to host a game. One of these teams could end up as the two or the three seed. The other, like the whole thing, and one's going to be the seven shifting. Yes, like with well, and certainly won't have the seventh best record in the American right. League, right? Like the six is right now the team with the worst record that's going to make the playoffs, which is the Houston right. Astros. That's so line, I yeah. think what will kind of stand out in a spot when we think about the back end of the National League, which I know we're going to get into because it's your absolute favorite thing in the world these days, and I don't blame you for it one bit. What's so interesting is the National League, we don't know how much seeding matters because, like, who knows what's going to happen that there's 500 teams with the same record. But there's very obvious things on the line here for these teams. The Twins have a great chance If you win your division, you're going to host a first-round matchup. You know, the White Sox right now, who who sit in second with a two-game edge on the Yanks, okay, now I get to host a 4-5. And then that third-place team now, as the seven, you know, is either traveling to an Oakland or traveling potentially to one of these teams within your division. So Yeah, that's interesting to me. Like, there's so... There's so much up for grabs, but these teams should be going for it because home field is actually on the line. Like, this isn't a scenario of we'll play who we'll play. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And here's the thing, right? And you laid it out artfully, Kev. You know, there's – it is very possible, okay, that this division, which right now has two and a half games among them with a series left to play, Mm -hmm. whoever finishes in third in this division – may very well have to travel to the division winner for the first series as the two versus seven matchup, right? And that is still up for grabs. Any one of these three teams, Kev, could be the two seed. And any one of these three teams, in my opinion, can still be the seven seed. 
you know, which would yeah. be home or the visitor in a three-game set against these teams. What do you think? How do you think it shakes out based on, like, the matchups that they have the rest of the season? I told you because, to me, the fact that, you know, the Cleveland Indians have the Pirates on deck is really important. That is by far the worst matchup that's left. And I think if the Indians make hey, they could be all the way, you know, getting either to that second place tier or even still winning the division. Yeah, and if you're Cleveland, right, you're probably hungrier than the other two teams because you might see yourself getting home field with, with like yeah. and you're hot right now. And the thing is, they were ice cold for a while. And that's hard to ignore. You know, as they've now won four in a row, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they just beat up on the White Sox for three straight, who have now lost four in a row. And this is another thing I'll make the point of, Dane, is the perception yeah. is now about to matter a ton, right? Like, I believe if today we hit pause, a half game off, don't let facts get in the way of a good point. If the White Sox were to finish two and Cleveland were to finish seven, right? Yeah. We just watched them sweep them, right? And we've kind yeah. of been asking this question of, like, well, if Cleveland has this pitching edge, are they going to be favored even as the seven spot? They might be. They might yeah. be. And that was something we were asking with that Bieber-Giolito matchup that we saw the other day. So right now, I think two and a half is a lot to make up for Cleveland and four games to cash really either of these teams. But the Twins-White Sox line is right there, man. And yeah. the Cubs and the Reds, I mean, neither one of those teams are teams that I'm trying to play. Sure. Right, right. No, that makes sense. The one thing I will say with Cleveland, though, they play the White Sox today. You know what I mean? So just another yeah. win. They keep streaking. And tomorrow, I mean, tomorrow in all honesty, we probably won't talk about it because it's a football Friday. But, yeah, like, yeah, it's going to get a little busy, real, little busy, little busy. real tight. Let me ask you real quick. I know we only got 30 seconds. Do you buy anything, though? Listen, the White Sox with all these kids – could they be stumbling? Could they be tired? Could they be gassed? They're, they're I don't know about gassed. They the might end. be nervous. I mean, nervous. Okay. Lights All right, at the end that's of interesting. Tunnel. We got two yeah. seed. Oh, no. Here comes mm, battle. So that's something to think about also. The Twins and Indians have been there. Look really? at the National League after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. Great. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh and Kev. All right. We talked about the American League, right? But at least Kevin in the American League, it's really kind of confined to one division, right? And we know one of them is going to win a division. One of them is going to finish in second place. And the one who finishes in third place is still, you know, 98% to be one of those wild card teams that'll just, you know, maybe have to go on the road in the best of three. Kev, the National League is 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 chaos theory to the nth degree. Let's start with the National League East. 
Because in the National League East, as you see in the standings right now, currently, the Miami Marlins have a half game on the Phillies for second place. And remember, the second place team in each division qualifies on that line four, five, six seeds for the playoffs. The Marlins play the Atlanta Braves today. Okay, the Marlins have lost four in a row. The Braves have won four in a row, right? The the Braves are heavy favorites to win today. After today's action, the Marlins and the Phillies will each have a series of three games left, Kev. The Marlins will play those three games against the damn Yankees. The Phillies will play those three games against the Tampa Bay Rays. Two of them, you know, you got to figure... It's going to be a challenge for both of them. I believe, Kev, this Marlins-Braves game today is huge because it is the difference of with three games left to play, the Marlins being one up on the Phillies with three to play or Mm -hmm. them being at a flat-footed 28-29, and one game under 500 tie with three left to play against the Yankees and the Rays. And the qualification of second place meaning something in this playoff structure. Kevin, I know it sounds silly, but this Marlins-Braves game today is huge. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not silly. That's, That's the nature of where we are right now. And the fact that this is the you know, the eighth and ninth best records in the <laughs> National League. We're talking about teams with a 491 and 500 winning percentage. Yes. Yes, we are. They're in the mix, though. And I think the Marlins have been a great story all year. I don't think – I think we're kind of seeing, though, they're still not a very good baseball team. They had – I mean, they were at one point, I think, like 8-2. and two. At least it seemed like that. I mean, they were – you know, they had a great record and. It shows, I think as well, Dane, that if you got out to a good start, you were going to always be in the mix, right? Like the good start that the Yankees got off of kind of really allowed them to have a miserable stretch that allowed them to still find their, you know, their footing and and be one of the five best teams in the American League. So you look at it from the, you know, the Marlins here today, and I agree. I I think, Dane, you're you're, you're bringing up a, a really interesting point in that. Considering you're going to be going up against the Yankees, you'll be dogs in all of the games, but knowing the right. Phillies have a tough matchup with the Rays, if you can just come in with that one game edge, yeah. it can make all the difference. It's I don't know the tiebreakers for these two teams. That's what I was going to ask. What anybody... if this is a tiebreaker for second place? Is it head-to-head? Yeah. we got to see what is the Marlins, Braves, I mean the Marlins and the Phillies head-to-head this season, mm-hmm. or even if that is the tiebreaker. I believe it goes head-to-head, and then I think it would go to your division record. Um, I know the Marlins had the Phillies number to start the year. I don't know how it ultimately played out the rest of the way. I, I think if you're the Phillies right now, though, you have to look at it, and it's going to feel like you've got a bit of a mountain to climb. One thing working in your favor is the Rays have started to put distance between them and the other teams, and... Mm. Those final two games of the year, they might not be playing for much. They've got a two-game lead right now on right. Oakland and Minnesota for the best record for the one. out there in the AL. 
Yeah, and, and that could be it, right, as well. You know, will the Tampa Bay Rays be more focused necessarily on, you know, lining up their rotation, right, for whoever they're yeah. going to see? You know, they may see the damn White Sox and Giolito to start, right, in a one versus eight. I mean, that's a, they may see, you know, I guess it won't be the Astros, but, you know, they, they may need to prioritize their fortunes for next week and getting themselves set up. You know, I mentioned that this uh, Marlins-Braves game is a big-time game in the National League. Kev, the biggest game in the National League, though, belongs in the NL Central, where the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals are about to start a series, Kev, where they will play five games against each other in the next four days. Okay, and remember, as we talk about the NL Central, the Cardinals are technically in second place still. Remember, there's those games in hand, but they lost yesterday. All right, but they lost yesterday, and all the teams that needed to win won yesterday so it is condensed a little bit more this has got to be the series that people are looking at in the national league the brewers and the cardinals they're playing five games in four days and if you look at the standings you know this can go a lot of different ways and have an impact on you know six or seven teams kev this is the thing right so we said that the white Sox have a difficult matchup in the cubs but I think that it would be fair to look at that the other way as well and say the Cubs have a difficult matchup with the White Sox. The Cardinals are two games up on the Brewers in the loss column. Now the head-to-head nature makes that a very catchable gap, but two games in this stretch is within reason. The Cardinals are only two back of the Cubs in the loss column with one billion games left to play. There's yeah. a reason why there's only a Z next to the Cubs name and not the X that sits next to the Y or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you thought this was weird? What happens when the Cubs somehow bounce back to the four game and they're playing the Padres? I'm just saying, like, the Cardinals... How do I say this without sounding ridiculous? Everything that happened with the Cardinals that got them shut down is awful and you wish it, it didn't happen and it would be much easier for us all to be on level footing. But boy, has it created some absolutely fun scenarios here towards the back end of this season. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And don't forget about the San Francisco Giants. They are still involved in this one as well. They play Colorado. And then, ironically, they have a series to finish up against the San Diego Fathers. And the Fathers are pretty much the one team that is like as locked in as any. Right. So similar to the point you make about the Rays, the priority for the Padres may, in fact, be to line up that rotation. But, Kev, I mentioned the Padres and their rotation because the Padres in their rotation got bad news yesterday. Their acquisition at the trade deadline from the Cleveland Indians, Clevenger, it looks like he got banged up, had a tweak, a strain, the bicep, the tricep in his arm. And the Padres fear that it is a big-time injury. They may have to shut Clevenger down for the season. Now, everyone loved it when they made this acquisition. They thought that was like the cherry on top to make them a true contender vis-a-vis, say, the Dodgers out west. But it looks like Mike Clevenger may be banged out for the year. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough blow. That was the type of move that had a lot of people believe this was the second, like, undeniably the second best team in the National League. Uh, They started to be priced as such, you know, in the futures market. It's a real tough blow for them. And, you know, we were just kind of talking, though, that 
Listen, you, you don't want to say that you want to pick your opponent because it gets messy. I, I get that. But I'm not a Padres fan, so I can say it. You'd much <laughs> rather play the Miami Marlins than the St. Louis Cardinals. And for a good while, yes. it looked like you might be playing the Miami Marlins instead of the St. Louis Cardinals. And we also just said there's a world where it's the Chicago Cubs, right? So yeah. this is yeah. a this is a spot here for the Padres. Like, the you're Phillies good. Too. You know where you are. You're going to be playing in the 4-5 game. And that's what it is, right? Like, you're, you don't have to worry about it in that regard. You're going to host the 4-5 game. Any other, any other result there would be absolutely shocking. And I don't actually know if any other result is really in play outside of them losing out and I think maybe St. Louis winning out. Um, but that, again, doesn't seem super likely. So you know where you sit. You have the opportunities you've mentioned with the Rays to line up your rotation to be ready to go. And, you know, the Padres don't play, so it's a week from yesterday, really, their next meaningful baseball game. It's it's a spot where you're going to want to be cautious. I'm not playing Tatis all all four of these games. Right. Not playing any all four of these games. You want to keep the guys in rhythm, but this is a a spot now for the Padres where you see Clev go down and it's like, all right, man, let's just get there and let's just get rolling. Yeah, no, I hear you both on the injury side and the kind of organizing your pitching staff, right? Whether it's the rotation, making sure key bullpen arms do not pitch on a Saturday or Sunday so that they are rested. But there's just so much still up for grabs here. Kev, another team in this mix that we have to talk about is the Cincinnati Reds. Because honestly, Kev, I think they may be the most dangerous of them all. They're certainly the hottest of them all. They have won eight of their last 10, including a victory yesterday led by, listen, Kev, Trevor Bauer, who is phenomenal these days. Hmm. Trevor Bauer now leads the National League with his 1.73 ERA. He leads the National League now with 100 strikeouts. Kev, think about that. 100 strikeouts in a 60-game season. That's on pace for something like 250 strikeouts in a real season. He's pitching to a 1.73 ERA. And I've been, you know, my philosophy here on the kind of big three at the top of the rotation. Bauer, Castillo, and Gray have been proving themselves. And Kev, much like we talked about with those AL Central teams, here in the NL Central, the Reds seem to be one of these hot teams. They are ironically off today. But Kev, they finish with a three-game set against the Minnesota Twins, which is no easy task. You think the Reds and this pitching staff can stay hot all the way in? Well, that's the question is kind of how does the pitching staff line up for the Reds? Uh, I believe Castillo— Well, Bauer went yesterday. Yeah, I believe Castillo is supposed to be Saturday and Sunny Gray on Sunday. So— you know, you're, you're, you're taking your hacks with that. Again, it's not like the Reds, by the way, are a team that's, oh, this is all seat. No, they're game no. up on the Brewers. Like, we're all the way Kevin, back there. are there. six teams within yes. a game of each other with, like, three or four, or in the Cardinals' case, five, maybe seven left to play. But literally, yeah. Kev, the Cardinals, the, the, the Giants, the Reds, the Brewers, the Giants— You know, there's six teams within a game of each other. Now, there is the second-place path that two of these teams will get, right? Like, either the Marlins or the Phillies will be second place. One of these teams in the Central will get into the second place. The Reds have the same winning percentage as the Cardinals. 
Like that's what I said. They're all around 500. They can all wind up 500 also. So Kev, I gotta, uh, you gotta update the lines for me. Okay. What are the odds on the Cardinals playing on Monday? Oh, I, like a zillion. I just don't know if they're going to minus. Play. I mean, it's like minus 400. You think they're going to yeah, play? I just, I mean, what would they have to do? Win all five games against the Brewers? Like, yes. I don't know what yes. they'd have to like the, the Brewers, the Brewers Cardinals series. They'd have to right. at least go four and one. The Brewers Cardinals series has to be dominant one way or the other, right? To get one of those right. teams kind of out of it. Right. And to be quite honest, you're looking at like the Yankees and the Rays, right? Uh, you think you need like either the Phillies or the Marlins because they are, you know, underdogs, right? In that series, yeah. you need the Yankees or the Rays to kind of like take care of business and sweep one of these 500 teams. That's like the only other way I see that the Cardinals aren't playing ball on Monday. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree, <laughs> and I don't know what you I don't know? know what they're supposed to make of that. I, I mean, it's like, really how weird. do you set up for that? You got five games in four days, but that you so and then maybe another double seven and five seven games in five days. Yeah, that is what we're talking about, Kev. You know, and what's interesting is those opponents. What are they going to do when you talk about some teams that are playing against teams that are out of it? You know, like for example, the Twins playing the or the Indians playing the Pirates. We'll talk more about this when they come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh back here on the early line. And, Kev, you know, we're talking about the very end of the season. Right. How we're getting to the, 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 the end, how it's all kind of coming down on people. I did find this interesting. Angels infielder Angelton Simmons informed his team like, you know what, with about five, six games left to play. I'm done. Uh, I'm going to opt out for the rest of the season. Now, we saw some members of the Mets do this midseason, right? Cespedes and Stroman. But I mean, this is like three days left, Kev. And I don't I, I wonder what is behind this from him? Because, you know, he's going to lose about half a million dollars by missing these last games when, honestly, he could have been like, ah, I tweaked my hammy. I don't feel good. I'm not up for these. But he decided to formally opt out for the team. Like, what do you think about this? Is this cool? Is this or is this just him being like, eh, I'm done. Forget this. I'm out. I mean, ultimately, he's leaving money on the table. So I don't think that that's yeah. a decision made lightly. And it was one that he felt necessary for him. It's one that draws my attention, though, to the season that is slash was for the Angels. Considering the Astros will make the playoffs, I don't think you really can label their season all that disappointing. Boston was a disaster, but we all saw it, it had that kind of potential to be that year. So when you look at the rest of the American League, I mean, the fact that this team has started to just peel together some decent baseball and are going to finish not all that far out from the picture when Dane, a month ago, they had the worst record in the American League. I think this is going to be a team that really looks back on this season as an opportunity missed because, look, anything can happen in a 60-game stretch, but... You know, 162 is a lot harder. I think next year the playoffs are supposed to stay expanded, so that opportunity will be there. But, uh, listen, this is an Angels team that 
has to look at this year as, you know, hopefully they can build off this back-end stretch and find some success because this was a real disappointing year for them. Yeah, and remember, they got out the gates really slow. Remember, like, Mike Trout having a kid, uh, Randone not playing for the beginning, like, the first week he was banged up, and they still wind up getting pretty close. I wonder, to be honest, if, like, teams like the Pirates, who are playing the Indians this last weekend, or the Tigers, who may have this doubleheader to play on Monday against the Cardinals, will any of those players be like, not chill, I'm done, I'm opting out, and it doesn't mess with any kind of competitive balance, but this last few days are going to be very interesting in Major League Baseball. We took football in hour two next. SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 